You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Here we go again. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles, most awesomest podcast in the entire universe, universe. Today, we have a re- another repeat customer, another guy who's been on the podcast uh, two times now, and his name is Levi Rosentreader. And what I like about this podcast is his unique approach when it comes to access to gaining access to his tree stands. He uses a boat on a lake, and it's, it works very well for him. Now, also on this episode, Levi runs into a little bit of frustration because he's kind of, he's had a, a difficult, he had a difficult uh, time in the timber up until a certain point when he ends up killing a nice mature buck, which you will uh, hear about today. So uh, we have a really, really cool hunter profile podcast today with Levi Rosentreader. And uh, before we get to this podcast, I just want to remind everybody again to go visit DeerLab.com slash nine fingers, number nine, followed by the word fingers, no spaces, and take advantage of their free 30-day trial period, all right? So you go to that URL, you sign up. There's, you, you don't have to give a credit card or anything. You sign up for a free 30-day trial period, and then you upload all of your trail camera pictures that you have into this software. And it does, you know, it, it calculates time of day, wind direction, you know, it, all the information that is on your trail camera picture is uploaded into this system. And what it does is you can run reports or you can, you know, wherever these trail cameras are at, it gives you information about those pictures that you can kind of gather. And it, it you can use that information to tell you, listen, I need to be in this area on this wind at, uh, you know, this time of day. And it will, it gives you kind of a, an advantage to, I guess, statistically, it gives you information to, uh, help, uh, you know, help you get to where you need to be 
Deer Lab will tell you that, and uh, you know, hopefully, it gives you some success in the timber. So, go check out DeerLab.com/slash/NineFingers. Look look into the information, read about it. Um, go to Deer Lab's uh, Facebook page. Heck, call Deer Lab up, ask them any questions you want. Really nice guys, and uh, yeah, so go check that out. Now, let's get into today's Hunter Profile podcast with Levi Rosentreader. All right, on the phone with me now is Levi Rosentreader. How you doing today, Levi? Good, Dan. How are you? I can't complain. Tomorrow's fr- or well, let's see, tomorrow's Friday. But when people are actually going to be listening listening to it, it's going to be Friday. So that makes me happy. Yeah, there you go. So before we start getting into this, I mean, this is your this is your second hunter profile podcast, uh, and today we're going to be talking about uh, this a buck that you shot this year. But before we get into all that, um, why don't you tell us again where you live and what do you do for a living? Yeah, I'm from West Central Illinois. I uh, work as a correctional officer for a prison here, or a state prison here in Illinois. Um, 32 years old, grew up working on a farm. Uh, I just kind of got into hunting and fishing at a really young age. Uh, My dad kind of got me into it, and ever since then, I've been hooked trying to learn more and more every year and uh been pretty fortunate the last couple years yeah um now the the first hunter profile podcast that we did we talked about a a buck that you shot give us uh this buck or the buck that you shot this year and the buck that you shot the previous year uh were on the same property right yeah, they were okay. on the same property, and actually, I ended up killing both bucks out of the same stand. Oh wow! So, remind us what this property looks like. Walk us through um, how many acres it is, what kind of timber ag mix there is. Do you have any food plots? All that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, like I said, I was born and raised on a farm, so we were a family of farmers, and uh, most of the property that I have access to. Most of it is ag fields. We farm close to 1,200 acres. And so there's probably, I don't know exactly how many acres of timber we got, probably 160 to 200 acres of timber. Uh, but the way the property set up with the different pieces of timber, it kind of hunts as several smaller properties is the way I look at it. Okay. And then the, there's a lake right in the middle of it. And there's timber around the lake, and that's part of how I access the property is by the lake itself. So, okay, okay, now it's all coming back to me. I should I should have known this. You took the boat across the property across the lake to get to one of your properties. Okay, it's all coming back yep. to me now. Okay, yep, I got that's you. Me. <laughs> all right, so I should know this. I'm supposed to be professional, right? And I, no, I completely I... I completely zoned out. You talk to a lot of guys, I understand. <laughs> so, all right. So, you use you you used a boat to access uh, some of this property. Now, let's talk about. And this was the buck you shot last year, right? Or the, uh, the buck. The first podcast was the buck you shot last year, right? Two thousand fifteen. 
Okay. Yep. So this year, between last year and this year's hunting season, did you do anything different um, to prepare for the season? Did you um, cut some new stands out? Did you ac- find some new access routes? Did you, you know, run more Cheryl cameras? Anything different? You know, I really didn't do anything too different other than I hung a couple new stands. Um, mainly, my focus was just, you know, last year I was fortunate enough to kill my number one hitless buck off the property. Yep. So my main focus this year was just finding another buck to target. Okay. And actually, I actually found, well, a couple, couple real good bucks. One of them I had four years of history with. I believe he's a six and a half year old. So he was actually my number one hitless buck going into the season, which is not the deer I ended up killing, by the way. Right. So, uh, were you running a lot of trail cameras this summer to try to, you know, find and locate mature bucks? Yeah, I was running about, oh, 10 cameras across all my property to try to see what was out there. Okay. So how many, by the, by the time it was all said and done and, and before the season started, how many shooters did you have, I guess, did, how many bucks were on your hit list, would you say? Based okay. Off the well, for me, right. Well, for me, I try to only target four-year-olds and older. So I would say I had four or five on camera that met that criteria however some of them disappeared once they shed their velvet so you know i was kind of i had a few to choose from right okay so when the season started this year did you did you go into into it any different or did you hunt early season or um how i guess are are you still a farm? Do you farm with your parents, or I forget what do you do? You said you're a correction uh, officer, but do you help your right? Help farm? Yeah, I I help out when I can, but you know, not not nearly as much as I used to. Okay. Uh, so, but I'm I'm always there doing something related to deer hunting. It seems like. Okay. So, what was your uh, goal going into this season? I mean, you said you had uh, you know several. Uh, hitless bucks kind of on the radar did you did you ha- you said you had a one particular buck who you felt was a you know maybe a six-year-old maybe a, even older um, was he number one uh, on your list or did you have any other bucks that uh, maybe were you know kind of getting your heart racing yeah that the one I talked about that I believe to be six years old I had four years of pictures of him and leading up to the season and into October, he was all over my cameras. Um, I had my camera set up on scrapes, mock scrapes, and he was there almost every single day, every night. I mean, he was all over. Um, and like I said, I had four years of history with him. So he, was, he wasn't the highest scoring deer I had on camera. I would say he was probably mid-150s. Okay. But just the, just the history alone and his age made him my number one hit list buck. And then I also had another buck show up early October who I would say was pushing 170 as a 10-point. 
Oh, nice. So he was he was definitely up there on my hit list as well. Were these bucks at you know in October? Uh, by the time October came around, were these bucks anywhere close to making a daylight appearance? Um, actually, the one seventy, the one that I said was second on my hit list. He actually, I had a couple daylight pictures of him. Um, the other one, uh, the six-year-old, I believe in the four years that I had trail camera pictures of him, I only had one daylight picture of him. Wow. So, so I, I didn't think that he was actually living on my property. You know, he would just pass through, hit some scrapes. Um, actually I was, I was thinking I might be able to catch him early October on my food plot or okay. either late season on the food. But that was my plan actually for him. And that's in October. That's what I was doing. I was uh, just hunting my days off in the evening, trying to hunt my food plot, hoping maybe I could catch him still on some sort of feeding pattern. Okay. So what, what was your first day in the timber this year? Oh, what was the date of your first hunt, I, and was it after a buck, or did you do some like doe management first? No, actually, I haven't actually harvested a doe off the property in four years now, and that's okay. just because I started to notice deer numbers going down. Just trying to do my part to let as many does walk as I can, get the population back to where it used to be. Okay. So I wasn't after a doe. Um, well, it it also helps that we. My family own, owns hogs, so uh, I don't depend on the meat. Right. I get plenty of pork whenever I need it. So, um, so yeah, I wasn't after a doe. I was, like I said, early season, I was trying to maybe catch uh, that buck on some sort of feeding pattern. Just, I wasn't going out of my way to hunt him just on my days off. Okay. If I had a good wind, I'd sit on my food plot, but I was only hunting evenings you know, early October. So, uh, he was showing up on, uh, on a particular food plot, kind of walk us through where this food plot was in relationship to maybe where he was bedding, what your access route was and how you felt, you know, some of these deer were, were approaching this, uh, this food source. Okay. Well, to be honest with you, I wasn't a hundred percent sure where this deer was bedding at. Um, because every time he'd come in front of my camera, it seemed like he was coming from, there was no pattern to it. He was just coming from both directions. So I wasn't really sure where he was bedded at. Now the food plot is about an acre and a half. And I don't remember exactly what I planted. I think it was some sort of fall blend from Whitetail Institute. I think it was called ambush. And I couldn't tell you what all's in it, but, the deer have been really hitting it pretty good this year and it's kind of set up. It's picture like just a main, a big ag field. And then it is like the finger, the far finger of this field. And I basically just turned it into a food plot and I got a, a fence row on the North side of it. And then there's big timber kind of to the Northeast of it. And, I access it actually from the south, and it kind of 
just wraps around and I got a little trail to where I can get in there pretty clean. Um, usually I have to have someone come blow deer off in the evening with a ATV, but, but okay. that's the setup for, that's a setup for the, that food plot. All right. So now the buck that we're talking about that was using this food plot wasn't necessarily the buck that you ended up shooting this year, correct? Correct. Okay. So did you have, I mean, did you have any early season encounters with any of your hitless bucks? Well, I tell you what, I mainly early season, I was focused on my food plot and that's just because, you know, to me, that's an early season and a late season spot. So that's what I was focusing on trying to keep all the pressure off my other areas. Um, so basically I was in all in for that one buck in October. And then, you know, something else happened to come out that was mature. You know, I would take a shot, but, but, uh, I'm sorry. I I forgot what the question even was. Well, just, you know, did you have it, did you have any encounters with any of your, your target bucks early season with, with target bucks? No, none at all. I had, several several encounters with three and a half year olds um I se- it seemed like every night i went out i had at least one three-year-old within bow range that i passed so okay. you know it's a it's a good sign for years to come but no i wasn't seeing any of my hit list bucks were they showing up on trail camera at least or did they kind of you know disappear for a while yeah i was getting them on camera but most of them most of them were after shooting light. Okay. But were they, were they still hitting the food plot just after dark? Well, I have, uh, I make mock scrapes every year and I got one particular spot just off of my food plot where it's always just been a big community scrape. So I'll open it up on my own, you know, middle of September and put a camera on it and, I can get just about every buck in the area hitting it at some point. But like I said, they, it's right on the food. Um, so yeah, I got a bunch of pictures of bucks on that particular camera. So yeah, they were hitting the plot and also checking that scrape as they were going through. Okay. So as the season started progressing this year, um, you know, let's say mid October, to late October, did your, did your strategy to, you know, get after some of these, uh, some of your hit listers change or, or, I mean, were they, were they still around come that, uh, that pre-rut time? Yeah. I mean, they were most pretty much, they were still showing up on camera. Um, I had vacation from work starting October 26th. I had three weeks off. Okay. So my main, my main plan was once my vacation hit, you know, just start, you know, hitting different areas, you know, uh, my more traditional rut stands, you know, rather than the food. Um, however, I think it was, uh, it was a couple of days right before my vacation start. Um, 
I'm a member of a Facebook group that it's a bow hunting group for people in the area. Yep. And there's probably, I don't know, 900 members on there. And I always scroll through looking at different bucks from the area that get shot. And this one picture popped up and it was a trophy photo. And I had no idea anything about where the deer was killed, but I immediately recognized that it was the six-year-old that I'd been after. Oh, wow. So did mm-hmm. you contact that person or reach out to him, send him a trail camera picture and say like, Hey man, this, this buck was on my property all summer. Yeah, I did actually. I sent, sent the guy a message. Uh, didn't know the guy and it turned out that he was hunting uh property, you know, just like a half mile away from me. And, you know, I sent him, sent him a few trail camera pictures, pictures of the deer from the last four years. And, Actually, he sent me a couple photos, so he said that the deer just showed up for him this year. So he'd never seen the deer before this year, um, but it kind of gave me an idea where the deer may have been living. Uh, so it kind of put the pieces together for me after the fact, and, you know, real nice guy. Couldn't be happier for him, and it's funny. He was he was asking me how old the deer was because he said that his buddies were saying that he killed a three-year-old. I was like, well, I was like, I have four years of pictures of him, so I'm going to guess him at six. I said, here, here's the pictures. You can be the judge for yourself. So, right. But it's it's kind of neat to talk to him about it and kind of put a close to the story. Cool. Yeah, there is. It's something nice about you know. I think one thing that's cool about trail cameras and or you know like something like that or Facebook, where you may have spent your entire season hunting that buck and not even knowing that he was dead. So uh, maybe subconsciously some of your decisions after after the fact, you know, after you found out this buck was uh, shot, maybe helped you change your game plan a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely, once I found out that that deer had been shot, I completely abandoned my food plot, and I kept running cameras, you know, in case something else happened to show up. But I shift my focus onto the other deer on my hit list at that point okay and this was the big 170 class buck that you thought was uh was a four-year-old right um the the one that just got shot or no the one i was you're moving on to yeah the one you're moving on to yeah yeah i don't know he's honestly he's probably probably a five-year-old just judging by his body size Gotcha. But yeah, I would say he was, and he was probably, I don't know, at least 22 inches inside spread, real wide, just clean 10 pointer. And I mean, he was a beautiful buck. And I, like I said, I had a couple daylight pictures of him. So once I found out my other deer I was after got shot, this one here was my number one target. So how far away from where your number one hit lister was living to where you had to move for the number two hit lister? Oh, I'd say probably two, two and a half miles where the crow flies. Okay. Uh, completely different type of scenario or was it, was he come, was this buck coming into a a food plot or, uh, or was this just kind of a, a completely different area? 
Uh, well, I'd call it a completely different area, but this guy, this other buck here, he was living around the lake that I talked about earlier. Okay. Um, and the, and the funny thing about the lake is for whatever reason, and I know deer travel, but for whatever reason, it seems like the bucks, they're either living on one side or the other. I don't get a lot of pictures of the same deer on both sides of the lake. Right. So, so this particular buck, he was living on the east side of the lake. So at least that's where I was getting his pictures at. So that, that was my main focus then. Okay. How big is this lake? Oh, it's probably, I don't know, 80, 80 some acres. Okay. So it's, it's, I fairly, had to guess. it's fairly big. Um, and you, your family owns property kind of all on both sides of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. So you made the move to, uh, you made the move to this, the sec the second buck on your hit list. Now, um, what time of year was it? And did you have any run-ins with him? Any encounters from the tree stand? I had no encounters whatsoever. And this was late October when I really made the move for him um, but yeah, no encounters. And I believe my last trail camera photo I got of him was November 3rd. So he was, I honestly, I wasn't really sure how to hunt this deer. I, you know, I, the good thing about that lake is the timber around the lake is fairly narrow. So pretty much all my stands kind of set up like a funnel. Right. Uh, pretty much any deer that comes through, I'm going to get within bow range. So I was just, you know, trying to play the wind, put my time in, and hope I could get him coming through either cruising or following a doe. Okay. So this number, uh, the number two hit lister, uh, was this in the same? So now we've moved back to the same area where you were hunting last year and ended up killing the buck last year, right? Yeah, same area, but opposite side of the lake. Okay, same area, opposite side of the lake. Now, you you didn't have any luck, and we spoke a little bit about this uh, before the um, before the season or before we started recording this podcast. That you felt like you had a you were having kind of a rough year. Explain to us in detail what was making this bow hunting season rough for you. Well, I think any time your number one hit list buck gets killed before November, that kind of puts a damper on your season right away. But aside from that, it seemed like we had warm temperatures, uh, and I just wasn't—I just wasn't seeing any mature deer from the stand. Like I said, I can't—I can't really complain about the deer numbers because I've seen a lot of a lot of does and a lot of younger bucks, but I just couldn't couldn't get on the mature bucks for some reason. Okay. So, but your, but your trail camera, your trail cameras were showing that the bucks were still there. Was it just too early? Were they all nocturnal or was it just a kind of a cat and mouse game where you would hunt one stand and then they would be at another stand and kind of like that? You know, I, I think there was a little bit of the cat and mouse thing going on. I think you always battle that, but to me, I thought they 
seemed like the bucks kind of locked down early this year where I'm at. Okay. You know, I think, I think the mature bucks locked down right away. You know, as soon as that doe started coming, I think the mature, mature bucks were on them. And then I was, I was seeing the two and three year olds cruising, you know, while the mature bucks were already locked down with those. That's, and that's also what I gathered from other people I talked to, you know, they kind of seen the same thing. So that's my guess, but who knows? So what, so what were you not seeing from the stand? You said you were not seeing any uh, mature bucks from the stand. Uh, were you seeing any young deer, like three-year-olds younger? Um, were you seeing any yeah. chasing or any rutting activity? I tell you what, I, I didn't see very much chasing. I've seen a lot of young bucks, you know, two and three-year-olds cruising. Um, I've seen does and I, I also seen does still bunched up. So, you know, I was still thinking, okay, it's probably a little early and, and this is probably the first week of November, probably the third, fourth, fifth of November. Um, so I'm not giving up. You know, I think, I know there's does that have come into estrus. I'm thinking some of the bucks, probably the mature bucks are locked down. But then again, you never know when they come off those does, they're going to be looking for another one. Right. So I was, you know, putting my time in. And although I was, the one buck was my number one target, I had a couple other good bucks on camera that if they came by, I was going to shoot them. So I was putting my time in for several different deer on the property. So it wasn't like you were after anything in particular. You were going to shoot a mature buck if it came by. Right. right? I wasn't, I wasn't all or nothing on one deer. Okay. All right. So, you know, the pre ruts over, it's now rut. You're not, you know, you're seeing does still bunched up. You're seeing young deer, but no, nothing mature. When did you have, I mean, did you, did you start making changes to your hunting area, your hunting strategy, because you weren't necessarily seeing what you wanted to see? Well, November 7th, November 7th and 8th are two of the best days of the year, in my opinion. Well, my one stand that is probably my favorite pinch point on the whole property, and it's the same stand where I killed my buck last year. November 7th, I had the right wind to go in there, and that would have been the first time I even hunted that side of the lake all year. So I was making a move, something different, in my favorite spot on November 7th. And like I said, that was my first time crossing the lake. I take that back. Well, I, as far as access, I always take the boat no matter what side of the lake I'm actually hunting. But that was my first time on the west side of the lake on November okay. 7th. November 7th. All right. So mm-hmm. you get in the boat, you're heading to, uh, now you're heading back to the same spot where you started, where you killed your buck last year, right? Right. On November 7th. Okay. What made you say, hey, I need to get back into that area? Well, it's been, like I said, it's just been a great spot for me over the years. Uh, I had the right wind for it, and it was the right time of year. Everything just lined up. First time in on November 7th, I figured was as good a chance as any, so that's where I went. 
Okay. So uh, you get into the stand, and was it an evening hunt on November 7th? No, it was a morning hunt. Okay. So it's a morning hunt, November 7th. You get in the stand. Uh, what did you see? I've seen more deer that morning than I've seen all year. I've probably seen, I think it was 21 deer before 10:30 in the morning and I think six of them were bucks but none of them shooters okay so did you sit that entire day or did you get down and then come back I sat the entire day that day okay and, and you saw a lot of deer but just still nothing that nothing mature no it seemed like and the funny thing was I still wasn't seeing any chasing, you know, okay. I'd see the doe, does would come through two or three at a time together. And then, you know, here comes a little buck cruising through, but it just didn't feel like, didn't feel like it was really a lot of chasing going on. And it was still warm then. I don't remember what the temperatures were, but I mean, it was probably well into the fifties, I believe. So, I figured that had it subdued a little bit. Okay. So nothing, no shooters on the, on the seventh. Did you go back to that? Did you see any good sign in there? Maybe like some big rubs from what you thought could be a a mature buck? Well, I had one scrape and it was probably 20 yards from my tree. And it's one of them scrapes. It's there year after year. And I walked by it on the way in and I noticed that it was fresh. Um, so other than that, I didn't really look around. Um, I got a camera, not right there at that stand site, but probably a couple hundred yards away. And I was getting a couple good bucks on that camera. But as far as this stand site here, I just went to my stand, hunted and got down. I didn't do any looking around at all. Right. Was it, what was this area like? Uh, you mentioned there's timber around the, around the lake. How far were you from any type of egg? Well, where I'm at, where my stand is, I am, well, I got a 30 yard shot to the lake itself. And then I got, I'm actually right on an inside corner of a standing bean field. And it's a 35 shot, 35 yard shot to the corner of that field. So I'm right, right off the ag and I'm just kind of in a good little, little pinch between the ag field and the lake there. Okay. So th- this is an, a nice tight little pinch point, uh, where all the deer, you know, you, you found it probably over the years, you've realized that, Hey, this is a really good travel corridor. Is this the type of place where you're, you're obviously sitting all day? Do you, do you see a lot of midday movement from that stand? Um, typically no, you don't see, you know, and I'll be honest with you. I don't do a a lot of all day sits just because they're exhausting. Um, I usually try to hunt until 11, 1130, get down, grab a bite to eat and be back in the stand by one or so, you know, so, um, so I couldn't tell you really because I don't do a whole lot of all day sits, but most of the movements typically you know, within the first two or three hours of the morning. Okay. 
So it's it's historically a morning spot. Right. Okay. All right. So November 7th sober. Did you head back to that same stand then on uh, November 8th? No. The wind shifted, and I went back to the other side of the lake to another stand and was going after the 170. I actually actually did that the last, or I did that the 8th and the 9th. And did you have a reason to head back over there? I mean, was he on was he on trail camera statistical or uh, consistently? Um, honestly, no. Um, at that point, I was just playing the wind. Okay. I had uh, I had a let's see, any kind of north wind is ideal for one side, and then any kind of south wind is ideal for the other side. So. I kind of just play that back and forth, depending on what kind of wind I got. Okay. You know, obviously, I don't I don't try to overhunt one side, but I also don't want to go in with the wrong wind either. Right. So, did you see anything promising on the eighth and the ninth over there? Um, I believe I believe it was the eighth. I uh, I was hunting the evening, and I had. I believe it. Actually, I believe the eighth. I I sat all day, and it was about two o'clock. I heard sounded like a real deep grunt somewhere behind me, and I didn't see anything. Nothing ever came through, but you know, I know, I know, I wasn't imagining it. I heard a grunt. Sounded like a pretty good buck, you know, just because it was real deep. Well getting out of my stand that night I'm halfway down my tree and apparently this deer this buck he uh come in behind me and like I said I heard him grunt and never did see the deer he never materialized and as I was getting out of my stand somehow he bedded probably 40 yards behind me and it's real thick back there and I watched him jump up and take off as I was getting out of the tree. So I wasn't sure what deer it was. You know, I didn't get a very long look at him, but it looked like he had a pretty good rack on him. So at that point, I'm thinking, well, I just screwed that spot up. Okay. So that was on the 9th then, right? Uh, I believe that was on the 8th, actually. On the 8th. Okay. So then you ended up going back to that same stand location the next day? No, I, I didn't go back to the same stand location, but I stayed on the east side of the lake. Okay, I got gotcha. you. All right, so... Different stand. Uh, different stand. How far away from uh, the stand the night before where you busted that buck? Uh, Probably 300 yards. Okay, so still kind of roughly in the same area. Um, any Anything good there any were the were the bucks the younger bucks at least chasing the does by this time uh i seen a couple young bucks you know messing around with does but i just i just wasn't seeing any real hard chasing at all okay um so no no chasing were you starting to get frustrated that you know 
you know, these mature bucks were not making an appearance. I was getting extremely frustrated. And, you know, of course, during hunting season, you're constantly texting your hunting buddies. And my hunting buddies, they were going through the same thing, not seeing any mature deer. And, you know, at this time, I only got a week left of vacation. You start to feel the pressure, you know, you know, you got to make it happen pretty quick. So right. I was definitely, I was definitely getting frustrated at that point. Okay. So knowing that you had a, a week left and you start to feel a little pressure, does your, does your, do things change for you as far as what kind of buck you're going to harvest or does it stay at a four-year-old and higher no matter what? No, it stays four year old or higher no matter what. I'm not nice. I'm not afraid to eat my tag if I have to, but but obviously I'd like to get it done. Right, for sure. So the east the west side didn't produce for you. The east side no. didn't produce for you. Um you know, after you got out of the tree stand the evening of the ninth, what was going through your head? And maybe talk to us about what was, you know, what was happening that led you to go back to the west side of the lake for, for your hunt on the 10th. Well, uh, much like, uh, the other buck that I found out was killed on Facebook, uh, the evening of the ninth, I'm looking around on Facebook and I see, post from someone who I know where he hunts and it's nearby and I see a buck that looks almost identical to the 170 I was after oh boy so I start doing a little bit of investigating and find out sure enough it it is the same deer I was after so now my number one buck I was after on that area of the property he's no longer in play um I figured last time I was sitting that stand on the west side i saw over 20 deer i know there's good bucks in the area i got the right wind to go back in there i'm gonna give it a try so your number one buck got killed by a neighbor your number two buck Mm -hmm. got killed by a neighbor and at this point uh were you had you been paying attention to any other deer except those two up until that point? Yeah. You know, there was one deer who he probably first showed up for me middle of September, right after he probably shed his velvet. And like I said, my, the areas I hunt, it's kind of breaks up like smaller properties, but I had him all, all over every camera at one point he was on it. So he was a roamer, you know, I had no idea exactly where he was living at, but he was just one of those deer. I knew he was in the area and he might walk by. And honestly, at, at that point he was, you know, he wasn't real high on my radar at the beginning of the season, but after my first two hitless bucks got killed, he was moving up to the top pretty quick. Right. So the morning of the 10th, you know, you're in your boat, you're heading out to, to hunt. What was going through your mind as you, you know, you were motorboating along? Honestly, I was, 
I mean, you always you always feel hopeful going into stand in the morning, but it really hurt me to find to find out that other buck got killed, and I was okay. I was pretty down, but I was trying to forget about that and just enjoy the hunt. Well, as I parked the boat, and usually this is a bulletproof access route. I mean, I got I parked the boat and I got. 75 yards to walk and i'm in my stand oh nice it's nine times out of ten it's bulletproof it just so happens the morning of the 10th i get out of my boat start walking toward my stand and there's a deer within 20 yards of my stand starts blowing oh boy so right away i wasn't off to a good start that morning okay so how did you did you think at that point? Oh, I'm screwed. This hunt's over. Uh, I didn't feel good about it, but it's November 10th. You know, anything can happen. So I wasn't going to give up. Right. Okay. So you get in your stand. Sun starts coming up. What do you see? What are you seeing? Any movement? Um, I saw two does come through about probably 7:30. And that was it. It was pretty dead. Nothing so like did, the last time I hunted that stand. Right. Did you feel that there was some kind of a lockdown? Was it bad weather? What did you feel that, you know, what I was, was going thinking, through your head at that point? Yeah, I was thinking that we were in the midst of lockdown. Definitely. Okay. So you saw two does come through and, uh, that was it for up, up until when? Well, that was probably 7.30, 7.45 is when the two does came through. And, you know, I'm I'm still feeling somewhat hopeful just because November 10th usually been a pretty good day for me. And about, well, I didn't mention earlier, people duck hunt this lake. Okay. So, so... It's usually not an issue. You know, I get to my stand long before they get out to their blinds, and I usually leave after they've already left. So it's usually not an issue for either one of us. Um, But about 8.30 that morning, I hear something walking through the timber, and I look over my shoulder, and it is a duck hunter with his dog walking right in the direction where all the deer typically come from. Right. I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? Well, I figured out what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. But not that it was, you know, usually we don't give the duck hunters any problems. They don't give us any problems. It's a city lake. So, you know, we kind of just get along the best we can, but he's about 60, 70 yards from me. I watch him take a squat by a tree. <laughs> I'm like, man, you. I was like, well, this, this hunt's over. You know, I. <laughs> there's no way that I'm going to see another deer today. And this was, like I said, probably about 8.30, 9 o'clock, right around prime time. And I'm thinking, well, November 10th, I got this going on. You know, I might as well, might as well get down, but. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sit it out for a little bit longer and 
maybe get lucky. So not only you saw two does, you saw a duck hunter and his dog. You saw the duck hunter take a dump. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> so now you're just like, and oh, I, and I, Yeah, and I busted deer out on the way into the stand. So, I right. mean, it was – couldn't get much worse. Right, right. So what time was it after, after this duck hunter ended up, uh, you know, wandering off, going back – or wherever, until Uh, you started seeing deer again? Well, I didn't see any more deer until the buck I ended up shooting. And that was at a little after 10 o'clock. Okay. So there was was two, roughly an hour, hour, 15, hour, and 30 minutes that went by until the buck that you ended up shooting started, uh, like, made an appearance, right? Yep. Okay, so did he come from the same direction that the duck hunter came or from the opposite direction? Same direction, but the duck hunter, he never did cross the duck hunter's trail. He, uh, the duck hunter came from the lake, which is from the east, and then the deer came from the south, and he never got far enough east across the other guy's trail. But it was in the same direction. Okay. All right, so walk us through, you know, what were you doing in the stand? Were you just kind of sitting and relaxing? Um, it's been two hours since you saw, uh, well, it's been an hour, almost three hours since you saw the last, you know, the last doze. When you saw him, and did you recognize him? Well, before I seen him, I'll tell you, I was, I was at like an all-time low for the season. I felt like nothing was going to work out this year. I was ready to go back to work and be done with it. And I was just beyond frustrated with my luck so far. And, you know, I, I had just, and I, I'm not making this up. I had just sent my buddy a text message and it said something along the lines of, you know you're having a bad season when it's November 10th and you're in the stand fantasizing about shed season. <laughs> I just sent that message, and it was pretty windy that day. It was The wind was picking up, so leaves were falling. I couldn't hear real good. Just sent that text message, and I looked up, and there he was cruising through probably 40 yards in front of me. So... What, what was he doing? I mean, he came from the direction. Was he downwind of the, of the bedding area where these deer were coming from? Was he cruising what from what you no, and that's, could put together? That's what's kind of strange is he was actually traveling with the wind to his back. Right. So, but he was he was coming from the bedding area. So I don't know if he was just going to check, you know, a different bedding area, or just cruising through, or if you know a hot doe had come through there earlier that morning i'm not exactly sure but but he had his nose to the ground he was on a mission whenever he did come through okay so from from the time that you saw him you said he was on a mission his nose was down was from that moment to the moment you ended up drawing back was that a very short period of time i'd say 10 seconds 
Okay. From the time I seen him to the time I drew back and shot shot him. So how far away was he no when more you first saw him? He was probably 40 yards in front of me, but he was out in front of me. I don't have any shooting lanes. My main shooting lane's to the corner of the field okay? because they'll cross through there or they'll skirt the edge of that field. And that's that's what he did. He came up into that field and kind of cut that corner of the field. And basically from the time I seen him, I immediately grabbed my bow, clipped my release on, got ready, and he was in my shooting lane. I drew back, stopped him. I mean, it just happened. Boom, boom, boom. So you, you looked at him. You, you didn't recognize him. You looked at him. And just from looking at his body and his rack, you're like, okay, he's, he's, he's at least a four-year-old. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't recognize him. I still wasn't 100% sure, but I didn't really recognize him until he was running away after I shot him. I okay. thought I recognized him. But for me, he looked like a four-year-old. I didn't second-guess myself, and that's the number one thing for me. If I don't second-guess myself, I'm going to shoot. Gotcha. So when you drew from the time, it's like you didn't even have time to think about it. Yeah. Did you get worked up at all or not? Did you kind of go into an autopilot? Not at all until after the shot. I was completely calm. Um, You want me to talk about the shot itself now? Yeah. Go go into the, go into the shot. Yeah. Where did you hit him? He came through. And I thought he was, he was probably 35 yards. Um, and it was, it's funny, I knew the yardage because it's the exact same spot I shot my buck last year. So I, was, I knew I could make that shot because I made it before. He was probably 35 yards, and I thought he was broadside, but now I think he was quartering away a little bit. But uh, whenever I hit him, it looked like a perfect shot right behind his shoulder. Um, he kind of turned to run back across the field. So I couldn't tell if I got a pass through or not, but as soon as I hit him, I could see blood start coming out of that entry hole. So I felt good about the shot right away, but he took off. And like I said, it's a standing bean field. He took off bounding through the bean field all the way across. And it's probably, it's probably a good, 200, 250 yards across the field. And I lost sight of him before he made it to the other side. So I wasn't sure if he made it all the way or if he was down in the field somewhere. I wasn't sure. Okay. So was this, did you feel it was a pass through at all? I really didn't know. I, I suspected it was, but that's just because he turned and I, I didn't get a chance to see if there was an arrow sticking out of him. Okay. But I felt good about the shot, though. I had really no question about the shot after I made it. Okay. So, was it, I mean, you said he was quartering away, right? Did you, was it tough? I think he was, I think he was slightly quartering away. And the only, and that's only after I recovered him that I put that together. But at the time, he looked, he looked like he was broadside. All right. So, Couple inches back from the shoulder, right in the boiler maker, high. Where at? Um, yeah, probably a little bit on the high side, but I still felt 
I still felt like I got long though. I mean, I I felt confident to go after him within an hour or so. Okay. So that leads me to my next question. How long did you stay in the stand before you got down to, you know, go to the site, the impact? Well, right after I shot him and I kind of calmed down a little bit, I texted my buddy who I'd just been texting about how the season sucks and I'm never going to kill a deer out here. And I told him, I just shot a good one. And he's like, yeah. Oh, you're you're so full of it. No, you didn't. <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to God, he just came through and I shot. So, so anyway, I got my phone calls and texts out of the way, and I got down. I I give it about an hour before I got out of the stand to go look for my arrow. Right. And I went to the point of impact, and I had blood right away, but I could not find my arrow, which course let me believe that i didn't get a pass through right so i followed i called my dad he always helps me track deer and i called him and i was like i'm gonna i'm just gonna walk a little ways see what kind of blood i got see if i can find my arrow i said and if the blood slows down or if i can't find my arrow i'm gonna back out and then we'll come back you know in like another hour and take up the trail Okay. So, so I followed, and it was a standing bean field, so it's bare dirt. So I was actually following the deer's tracks more than blood itself. I mean, the only blood, only blood you could really find was on like the bean pods where he rubbed up against them. Yep. So it was, it was kind of a challenging blood trail, but the blood was, I didn't feel real good about it, so I. I backed out and met up with my dad and we ended up going in a little bit later. Okay. So how, how much longer, how, how long was that period of time? Oh, I'd say another hour. Okay. I still, I still felt good about the shot. I just thought I needed, needed help with the blood trail. Got you. So did you follow blood consistently or, you know, you said you could tell where there was some on the bean pods. Was it hard looking for blood in that bean field? I tell you what, it was real hard. Um, and luckily, like I said, luckily we could, it was kind of muddy, so we could follow his track a little ways um, to kind of get an idea of a direction because he wasn't bleeding very consistent. And about halfway across the field, he kicked that arrow out. And I looked at my arrow, and I, I probably got 10 to 12 inches penetration so i feel good you know that i got all the way through that body cavity and i expected once i found the arrow that the blood would pick up but it just it just didn't you know it was pretty hard to follow but we ended up following it all the way across the field and found followed it to the point where he went in the timber and once he went in the timber for some reason, we completely lost blood. Okay. So, so. Were you starting now to get at this point? At this I'm thinking. Point? Yeah, I was. I was getting nervous. Um, I was worried that I only got one long. Is what I was really thinking because I know that it can take a while for them to die and then go a long ways on one long. So that's what I was worried about. And I told my dad. I said. 
okay, we followed him. We know where he went in the timber. I said, we got the lake as a little bit of a boundary. So he's, we're going to keep him somewhat contained. I said, but I said, I don't want to jump him. I said, let's just look around this immediate area, right where he went in, see if we find blood. I said, if we don't, everything my gut tells me, we need to back out. Yeah. And my dad agreed. And, well, there's probably 50 yards from where he went in the timber. There is a cattail thicket that is super thick and nasty. And in my gut, I felt like that's probably where he was headed. But I didn't want to just go in there gung-ho after him, you know. I wanted to make sure I followed, followed blood all the way. Right, right. So that's where I, in my gut, I thought he probably went. And I told my dad, I said, he's probably in there. I said, but let's not, let's just come back. It doesn't hurt to back out. And as I said that, I heard, it sounded like I heard a rustling in the cattails. I said, dad, I just, I just heard him. I said, we need to get out of here now. I said, he's in there, but he's not dead. We'll come back. And so we both, we back out, we're crossing the field. We're probably halfway across the field going back to the ATV. And I hear something running through the beams. So I look back, there's a coyote taking off across the beams from the direction. Looked like he came out of that thicket. I'm thinking, now that's, that's weird. You know, I'm kind of, kind of at a loss at this point because we were right there, you know, talking and, and I told my dad, I was like, well, my dad goes, what do you think? I said, well, if that deer's alive in there, I said, that coyote's already busted him out. I said, the only thing I can think is that if he died in there and that coyote's already eaten on him, my dad's like, oh, surely, surely not this quick. You know, he shot him two hours ago. Right. Like, I don't know. I, I said, but what's, what's the risk? Because if the coyote came out of there, we don't have to worry about jumping the deer out. He's already jumped out. So I said, I'm going to go back, look in that cattail thicket and see if I can find him. And I went back in there and walked straight to him. Coyote had already, already had him tore, torn open and was eating on him. Oh, my Lord. So so that was an inside of – from the time that you – from the time that you shot him to the time that you found him was only two hours. And coyotes had already got to him. Yep. Oh my lord! You one, guys have a one, you guys have a lot of coyotes in that area. There's a good amount, but I mean, it was only one coyote, and I I don't know if the coyote just happened to stumble upon him or if the coyote was already in there when he ran in there and died. But you wouldn't believe the amount of meat one coyote can eat off of a deer in an hour. I mean, there was hardly nothing left of the back cams, you know, which is a shame, but. In a way, he kind of led me to the deer too, you know. Right, for sure. And and thank God I I didn't give him a couple more hours and come back because there probably wouldn't have been much left. So were you able? So, to, were you able to get at least some of the meat off of this buck? Yeah, yeah. He only he only got into a little bit of the back hams, so we probably got at least eighty percent of the meat off of him. So, I mean, we didn't have too much go to waste. 
Okay. So let's see here. So you you found him, and when 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 you found him, you walked up to him. Did you laid your hands on him for the first time? What was the what was your reaction? I mean, was was he bigger than you thought? Was I mean, did you did you now recognize him at all? Or I guess what were some of the thoughts that were going through your head? Yeah, the second I seen him on the ground, I recognized him, and it was actually the buck I thought he was. But okay. and what was what was he? Did you know, you have he, any history with this buck? That's the first time I'd ever seen that buck in person. Like I said, I had trail camera pictures. That was the buck that I had trail camera pictures all over the farm. Um, and I believe, I can't say 100%, but I believe I found his match set last year, his sheds. But it has a lot of the same characteristics. But if it is his, then he added a G4 on one side from last year he was only a nine pointer last year okay so may or may not be his but i did have some camera trail camera picture history with him and he was definitely one of the deer that i was i was wanting to shoot if he happened to walk by okay so what what did he end up scoring uh we rough scored him at 151 and 18 and he he was, I believe, 19 and a half inches inside spread, and his longest tine was only nine inches. He had 34 inches of mass and almost seven inch brow tines. Oh, so, wow. not a yeah, lot of tine length, but he had good mass and good width. Yeah, and I, I'll get a. I'll make sure I have a picture of him on uh, on the the website and on Facebook. But yeah, that's a stud. That's a stud buck, man. Did you think he was right at a four year old after looking at him, or do you think he was older? I tell you what, you know, based on the trail camera pictures I had of him, I was thinking, okay, this deer's four, possibly five, but I don't know if he was just run down from the rut. But I bet you. I bet you he didn't field dress 175 pounds. He was just, but his track, like I said, we followed his track all the way across that field. He had a, one of the biggest tracks I've ever seen. So like I said, and I sent you some of the trail camera pictures. You can tell in the pictures, he's got a pretty good body on him, but I guess he was just run down from the rut. So, but I would, yeah, I would, I would guess him at probably four year four year old. Okay. Well, man, that's one hell of a one hell of a, a buck and, and then you're on kind of a roll now, back to back years. Yeah, I've been pretty fortunate the last couple of years. I hope it can what, keep up. <laughs> what what would you say is a lesson that you might have learned at this season? Um Well, the biggest lesson and I know it sounds cliche, but your season really can turn around in the blink of an eye. Ten I mean, seconds. I was ready to give up. Yeah, I was ready to give up and go back to work. And just like that, it all changes, you know. So, yeah, especially during the rut, don't don't give up. Even if a guy comes and takes a dump right next to your stand, <laughs> don't give up. But... Oh, that's funny. Yeah, was, even even if a guy dumps by your tree stand, just don't give up. 
That should be a t-shirt. That should. There you go. Well, man, good luck. I mean, are you, do you have a, you have, you live in Illinois, right? So you have another tag. Are you doing anything late season? Yeah, I went and bought another buck tag and I'm, I'm kind of just waiting for the real cold, nasty days, get back on my food plot and hope I can maybe draw some deer in from around the area. So it's kind of waiting on the weather. Gotcha. Well, good luck the rest of the season. And, uh, I hope you, uh, you know, hope you connect again and have, uh, you know, double up this year. And, uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it. Well, thanks a lot for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. All right. All right. All right. That brings us to the end of another Hunter Profile podcast. Huge shout out to Levi for coming on the show, taking time to uh, record this. Huge shout out to you, the listener. As always, guys, thank you very much for making this podcast what it is. Thank you for uh, taking an hour of your day and spending it with uh, a dumbass like myself. And uh, huge shout out to Exodus Trail Cameras, ExodusOutdoorGear.com. And remember, if you guys are going to make a, a purchase, use the discount code Nine Fingers. Also, huge shout out to DeerLab.com. Other than that, guys, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that's my social media platform. Make sure you guys follow me. A lot of cool stuff that goes on, uh, a lot of conversation that goes on, uh, trail camera pictures, and just you know talk about products and whatnot. Uh, January, there's going to be a lot more product-themed, um, product-themed podcast. Uh, December's kind of tough as all of the companies are kind of preparing for the trade show season and uh, the ATA show that's coming up here pretty soon. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to be doing with the ATA show this year as far as if I'm going to be doing any uh, actual podcasts from the ATA show, but I definitely will be there um, kind of looking at new and, and cool products and uh, reporting back to you guys in some way, shape, or form. And uh, that does it for this uh, kickoff, this week's kickoff podcast. Hope you guys have a great week. And remember, if you're out in the timber doing some hunting yet, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week. <laughs>